you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Friends, colleagues, dignitaries, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I also want to shout out the Peacock and Williamson podcast, bringing you the national angle with Brian Peacock, NFL analyst, Locked On 49ers host as well, and Matt Williamson, who is a former NFL scout there, bringing you everything you need to know on the national scale. So, I am your host, your pal. And the kitty copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. And the show's on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today is very exciting. I get to talk to you about some joint practices. Really, really fun. I love joint practices. I've never been able to see them in person before. Uh, I didn't get to see the last time they came. I think it was 2018 when the Jaguars came to town or any of those. Uh, so this is a first for me, and I absolutely love it. Uh, so the Vikings practiced with the Denver Broncos, came into TCO Performance Center, and um, I was sitting at a particular angle where I could see the defense really well, and I could not see the offense very well. So I focused almost entirely on defense while watching the first day of joint practices, and tomorrow in joint practices, I will focus on the offense. So we'll talk a lot more about the offense tomorrow. Um, while I'm on the subject, of course, Kellen Mond had his first kind of major in-game action uh, Kellen Mond, of course, came off the COVID-19 list yesterday, um, or on, uh, on, on Tuesday, and that was only a walkthrough, so on the Wednesday practice, he actually did a little more. Um, also, Myron Mitchell came off the COVID-19 list. He was back for the first day on Wednesday, um, and unfortunately, the Vikings just cannot keep a full stable of, of wide receivers. Apparently, I did not see this, uh, but seemed pretty bad. Blake Prohl went down with a non-contact right leg injury, and the trainers were on him right away. Seemed like a really bad injury. Um, it, from it sounds like from the accounts, uh, people were really afraid of, of like a longer term injury, and he had to be taken off the field. So, I, I guess the Vikings will be down a Blake Prohl. I'll keep you posted when we get more information on that. Um, but that's kind of the major news. That's kind of all I really caught from the offense. It sounds like the offensive line didn't have a great day, but the running backs were good, the wide receivers were good, and the quarterbacks were a mixed bag. I don't know. You can probably find that elsewhere. For me, I focused a lot on the defense, and I learned a lot about the defense by watching them go up against the Broncos' offense um, and kind of seeing them get stress-tested by like another NFL team that is going like fully, you know, 100% full speed. Um, and that gave us a whole bunch of insights. The first one I want to start with, though, before we get into the scrimmage defense, I also got to see a good amount of like punt drills and stuff. And the Vikings punt catchers and the Broncos punch catchers had a case of the dropsies, all kinds of muffs. Chad Beebe looked really uncomfortable. I think Amir Abdullah dropped one. I think I saw KJ Osborne struggle with some. I think Didi Westbrook was the only punt returner on the entire day that didn't just straight up muff a punt. And that's really unfortunate. Um, and, and is, I, I would say a bit of a concern. The punt catchers have had a couple of days like that where they would, you know, just looked unsmooth. Um, and that's prob that, that is possibly why Amir Abdullah still has the job by default because nobody's come and taken it from him, but it's not like he's been great either. Um, hopefully that job just goes to Didi Westbrook, um, as, as he gets healthy, 
and honestly, his rather like unique workload where he comes in, he does like punt catching drills in full pads and everything like that. And he stretches and he, and he comes in, does the punt catching drills, which are the first thing every day. And he goes into the locker room and he doesn't do anything else for the rest of the day. And that's been his entire camp. Um, it kind of tells me that maybe he just is the punt returner. <laughs> like that seems like a lot of effort to put in for a guy to compete for a job. Um, but I mean, he, he, you know, they're getting all the opportunities and they're not taking advantage of them. The guys like Osborne and BB and uh, Amir Smith-Marset and all those guys not taking advantage of them. So maybe it's just going to be D.D. Westbrook, assuming he, you know, still has all that speed. But even if he doesn't have all that speed, if you can catch the punt without fumbling all year, like, I don't know, I feel like I'll take that and whatever returns come will come. But anyways, the day was kind of a mixed bag for the defense on uh from from scrimmage of course i also got a front row seat to the fun little quarterback battle they're having over there in denver between drew Locke and our old pal teddy bridgewater for my money drew drew lock won the day but not by much um I, there's some argument about that though among broncos people uh like I, I know benjamin albright was chiming in on it and now all the vikings beat gets to chime in on it i love teddy but i don't think he had the better day today uh so look the overall and this is kind of the headline of the day for me the and I'll, I'll talk about both of these groups more in particular, but the secondary really struggled. Um, they they got their butts kicked, as it were, <laughs> and the defensive line was doing the butt kicking. Um, and and the defensive line, especially the interior, all four interior guys that are probably going to make up the final roster, um, in Pierce Tomlinson, Richardson, and Armin Watts, were all just existing in only the backfield. Um, just dominating. And I'll get into more detail on that in a second. But what I really want to talk about with this is kind of a, a schematically what happened, because I think there was a lot of kind of coverage versus concept going on in a lot of these drills. And they did a lot of scrimmaging, right? A lot of, um, I, I, you know, a lot of seven on seven stuff, a lot of uh, 11 on 11 and a, a lot less individual work. It was a pretty hard practice. And that makes sense, you know, take advantage of the, of the joint practices. Um, and in a lot of that, it was true series, right? It wasn't them just like testing out concepts and doing random reps. It was like truly move the ball, move the chains. There were refs, there were flags, there was everything. And in those, the Broncos checked down a lot, like more than Jake Browning did, has been checking down. He's been checking down a ton. Like I, I, he looks like a backup checking down, right? He's like playing really safe. And that's kind of part of maybe why he's getting that backup job is because he's being so conservative. Um, but Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater both were checking down a lot. And the reasons for that from the Vikings angle are because I think the safeties had a pretty good day on the whole. Um, I think they were in position a lot. Harrison Smith was, uh, caught out of position a time or two, but otherwise was pretty good. And I think a lot of those were time. My dad was at practice with me. We were arguing about this. Uh, I, I think a lot of these times, you know, you'll see all oh, the safety was late to come over was because he shouldn't have had to come over in the first place. But honestly, that didn't happen nearly as often. I think the safeties were in a good good place and coverage was better. And then, of course, there was a ton of pressure coming uh, from the defensive line. And so the quarterbacks did a lot of, you know, completions for three or four yards. And when it came to situational drills and times where they had to move the chains and stuff, that obviously wasn't good enough. And the defense kind of won the day on that side of the field. And it sounds like the Broncos defense won the day on the other field. So we'll take one and one, I guess. And the other thing that kind of gave the Broncos fits was uh, that the tight front was like every play. So I've been talking about this a lot, and if you're just now finding me, the tight front 
is something that I thought the Vikings would use a lot considering the personnel they got, and it seems like I was right on that, um, which is basically, so if you think about like a normal defensive line setup, you have the two defensive tackles, and they usually line up uh, somewhere around the guard, right? Either on the inside or the outside of the guard, and then the two edge rushers will line up outside the tackle. So you have two defensive linemen inside the tackles and two defensive linemen outside the tackles. The tight front takes one of those guys outside the tackles and uh, sticks them inside. And now you have three guys inside the tackles. Add the linebackers, uh, the two linebackers. Usually this is like a nickel thing or like a 3-4 thing. So a couple of inside linebackers. Um, you have five players who are lined up inside the tackles. And that makes it really, really difficult to just run up the middle. Um, and it's kind of a response, you know, the idea that eh, north-south is the quickest way to the end zone. Well, this is the defense that kind of responds to that philosophy. And you're basically asking everybody to spill stuff outside, encourage them to, you know, audible into their swing passes or to bounce running plays outside and stuff, and then you can rally from there. And that's the point of the tight front. That is the way that Brandon Staley got a head coaching job. He did such a great job with the Rams. That's uh, what Patrick Graham did with the Giants with Delvin Tomlinson last year. Um, and so I kind of thought the Vikings might copy them, and it seems like that's exactly what's happening. So they did a lot of stuff, almost indistinguishable from a 3-4 defense. A lot of people have been like, well, when are they going to uh, you know, transition to a 3-4 Kind of. They have. Uh, they use it a lot. And they still use, you know, classic 4-3 alignments as well. So it's going to be this kind of mixed, hybrid, weird defense. And it gave the Broncos fits. They were just living in the backfield, the Vikings were. Um, but, of course, a lot of times, uh, you know, the catch would still be completed. Bashad Breland had a tough day. Uh, Cameron Dantzler had an up-and-down day. And on the whole, uh, the secondary kind of made it so it wasn't full total domination. But the front absolutely dominated. I'm going to talk again in a lot more detail about everything all those guys were doing in one second. But first, I want to make sure you guys are set up with your cars. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, or maybe you just want to learn how to change your oil or something, you know, do standard maintenance, maybe save a buck doing that. But it's kind of scary to buy oil for your car. How do you know you're getting the right thing? That is where Rock Auto can come in. Just go to rockauto.com, enter your make, your year, and your model, and it'll set you up with a bunch of options that are compatible with your car, no matter what you're looking for. Motor oil, uh, standard supplies like jumper cables or a tire repair kit, or even, you know, deeper stuff. If you're really doing a, a fixer upper, you're a DIY, you're a black thumb, you need gaskets and all kinds of timing belts, whatever crazy stuff. You can get that stuff at Rock Auto directly from manufacturers, meaning you skip the brick and mortar auto shop, you save a buck doing so, and you're not buying cheaper parts, you're buying the same parts for cheaper. That is at rockauto.com. And at checkout, make sure you let them know in the how you heard about a section that Locked On sent you. If you don't, the bunnies will show up to your house, and at, at that point, I, I, I can't help you. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. All right, moving on, let's get into a little bit more detail with the kind of defense, Vikings defense versus Broncos offense half of the Vikings joint practices with the Denver Broncos here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. So what I noticed the most strongly was the secondary struggling right away, and the, uh, the, the front doing really well. Um, and I guess let's, let's go with the secondary because that's the one that stood out first. So on one-on-ones and seven-on-seven, which I could see better, the O-line, D-line, one-on-ones, I, I think kind of followed a similar pattern um, than the team drills, which I, I saw a lot better, so I'll kind of describe the team drills there. But with the secondary, here's what I noticed. Um, a, the one-on-ones were utterly a catastrophe. I think the Broncos won all but two reps in an entire one-on-one drill period with the wide receivers versus the cornerbacks and tight ends versus safeties and stuff. And the two reps that a Viking won 
One was a dropped interception from Chris Boyd, and the other one was a decent coverage from Chris Boyd, and the throw was really bad. Uh, it was, and I cannot over like overemphasize how bad that was for the Vikings. Now, it's a one-on-one drill. It's not a reason to panic. So the thing about um, camp drills, usually what we can evaluate, like a cornerback versus wide receiver matchup on, there's the times they go up against each other one-on-one. Those favor the wide receiver considerably. A lot of cornerbacks are not being asked to one-on-one against wide receivers. Kind of only the best, most elite corners in the world can do that. Most guys, most of the time, you know, you can pass somebody off inside. If you have some help inside from, say, a linebacker who's in a zone, you can basically, like, play outside coverage and pass everything off to the inside. And essentially, if that's what you're practicing and you let everything go inside, the coach might look at that and say, oh, that's totally okay because, you know, you would have been in like a match coverage where you're passing that inside instead of just covering the guy straight up. Um, And you can play different leverages knowing, you know, who has what responsibility and what kind of stuff you don't have to worry about. You know, if you don't have to worry about deep, you don't necessarily have to be as scared about maybe pressing someone, jamming them off the line. Because if you lose that release, somebody can pick up the deep route anyways. Um, And so... Without that, your your job gets a lot harder. That said, you got to win more than like two reps in a period. In particular, in the one-on-one drills, uh, Bashad Breland did very, very poorly. Um, and I think he lost all three of his reps in like really embarrassing fashion, in like, you know, kind of getting ankles snatched kind of fashion. Um, I think there was one catch made like right over his head, and there was another one where a guy got a lot of separation. I think Cortland Sutton was the wide receiver one for the Broncos and Breland was getting wide receiver one responsibilities for the, or cornerback one responsibilities for the Vikings. So Sutton just killed him. Um, Jerry Judy killed him a couple times. Those are the two big Broncos receivers. Um, so that was really rough. And then the, the next way we can kind of evaluate those guys is in seven on seven. And that's, you know, of course, or sometimes it's like five on five or whatever, but it's, it's nobody, no offensive line. Uh, no defensive line, only the kind of uh, pass catchers in the back. And in that, things sort of stabilized a little bit, but they were still kind of rough. The Vikings were allowing a lot of completions. Not a lot of them were long, uh, except for one particular play where it was Jerry Judy against Bashad Breland. Bashad jumped a route, went for the interception, missed it, and Judy took the pa- caught the pass uh, behind him and went to the house with it. And it was in like a hurry-up situational drill kind of uh, environment. So it would have been this like game-winning play. It was really, really, really bad. Breland had a rough day. Um, and those are, I think, a little easier. Of course, you don't have necessarily the help of pressure. I like the 7-on-7s seven seven's a lot for evaluating wide receiver versus corner because you can't get bailed out by pressure. The quarterback's going to place the ball where it's supposed to be, and it's a really, truly tough test. It's tougher to cover in 7-on-7 than it is in 11-on-11, because, you know, you have the ability of pressure, and games are 11-on-11, so, uh, you know, it's probably still disproportionately skewed toward the wide receiver, but that I am not as upset with the Vikings, and then when it came to 11-on-11, pressure just kind of broke everything. Um, but still, there were a lot of times where the Vikings coverage and secondary really, really struggled. Um, it was not a great day on the whole, but it was clearly a worse day on one-on-ones than it was when team things got involved, and I think to a greater degree than you normally see. Again, when you don't have the help of a linebacker to pass things off to or a safety to pass things off to, uh, depending on the coverage and stuff, you're going to struggle more to cover. 
But even after accounting for that, it seemed like the effect was exacerbated. And that kind of brings me to a larger theme of camp for these secondary guys, like uh, Patrick Peterson especially. Patrick Peterson looks kind of slow. We knew that. He looked slow in Arizona. He looks slow here. Um, and that's why you can't ask him to shadow. You know, you can't ask him to play man everywhere he goes or meg coverage. And that's what the Cardinals did. Shadow a guy. You know, you have Stefan Diggs. You cover him wherever he goes. And we are going to play 10 on 10 outside of you two. And then Stefan Diggs would kill Patrick Peterson. You'd motion Diggs into the slot. Peterson can't cover out of the slot. And he's slow and Diggs can destroy him. And that's what happened in that game between uh, Arizona and Buffalo last year where Diggs had this monster game against Patrick Peterson, who totally looked washed. Um, you just can't do that with him anymore. You used to be able to do it. You just can't do that with him anymore. Um, and, and that's not a catastrophe, right? You can still play like man-match coverage. You can ask him to cover a sideline, but ask him to you know pass everything off inside. And now you only have to worry about the outside routes or ask him to pass some deep stuff off. If they're going to send a burner deep, put a safety on that. Um, it, that you can do with Patrick Peterson. That's kind of what I've been recommending they do with Patrick Peterson. And I feel like after camp, it feels more necessary. If they come out and ask Patrick Peterson to cover a guy one-on-one forever throughout the whole route, I think that would be pretty irresponsible. But hey, maybe you don't believe in the Vikings as much as I do. Maybe you want to bet they're under. Their over-under is nine games at betonline.ag right now. You can bet anything bet online at betonline.ag. You can bet where you think the Vikings will land in the NFC North. You can bet who you think the MVP will be. You can bet Super Bowl champions, division winners, uh, all sorts of things. You can bet on other sports, award shows, reality TV, all of that stuff. Just go to betonline.ag. And if you don't have an account, it's free to set one up. And when you make your first deposit, you can enter promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all one word, and get a 50% welcome bonus. That means for every $100 you put in, as part of your first deposit, you get 50 bucks slapped on top of it, courtesy of betonline.ag in free play money. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So secondary had a rough day, particularly Bashad Brilliant, but everybody kind of had their rough times. Oh, and Mackenzie Alexander pulled up with a hamstring at the end of camp too and had to go in with the trainer, which is concerning. We're going to have to keep an eye on that. Um, but on the front, things got a lot more positive. Like, a lot more positive. And in in a similar way to the secondary, I cannot possibly emphasize to you enough the day that Michael Pierce had against the Broncos. And and it's so good to see him just absolutely explode against a real team. In the same way that it's concerning with the secondary. Oh, the second, like, another team comes and it's a much better simulation of game action. Now you fall apart. In the same way, the defensive line, you know, bring in a, a, a real team that, is not, you know, simulating, that's not in practice mode, you know, guys that the, the Broncos don't care if they hurt you, uh, and, you know, really play in the same kind of attitude you would have in a game, the defensive line just eviscerated them. And again, a lot of that had to do with those fronts, those tight fronts with those three guys on the inside, and then either one guy on the outside, or sometimes they'd put two guys on the outside as well for a 5-2 front, uh, that was really confusing them and, and stressing their gaps and stuff. But I'm pretty sure every run play I think I saw maybe one or two successful run plays in the entire practice from the Broncos. It was every single play someone was in the backfield. It was Michael Pierce a lot. It was Dalvin Tomlinson a lot. It was Stephen Weatherly a lot. It was Patrick Jones a lot with the twos. Um, it was Daniel Hunter didn't go. He was in shorts. I, I'm going to go with rest day maybe, although possibly not. Uh, Anthony Barr also was limited. He had a wrap on his knee. I think he's had that for a while now, um, but I guess you know they're, they're kind of keeping him on ice a little bit. Uh, so with no bar and no hunter and just absolutely living in the backfield, 
it was really, really incredible. To, oh, DJ Wanham, that's the other guy I was trying to think of. And then also Sheldon Richardson or Armour Watts with the two. So the first and second team defensive line utterly dominated. And that, it was just, it was really cool to see. A lot of it was just how these kind of more crowded fronts set up one-on-ones better. If you have five guys on the interior in between the tackles, you kind of have to put an offensive lineman on each one of those guys. And then, you know, you you end up kind of forcing tight end on an edge rusher matchups, which is going to favor the edge rusher. Um, and a lot of one-on-ones, you know, you get somebody's random sixth round guard on like Michael Pierce and he's killing these guys or someone's random center, right? Um, the the edges got pressure, the interior got pressure, the stunts worked, everything worked for that defensive run, especially against the run, but they got plenty of pressure in the pass as well, which helped the ailing secondary, uh, as we already detailed. Um, so, th- yeah, the the way that they played was really, really encouraging. They looked explosive and bursty, and they had good pass rush moves. It, it really felt like a defensive line that was just itching to hit someone else, uh, and once they got a target that they could just kind of toy with and play with they could really get it now i i don't know if the broncos have like a better offensive line or not offensive line has been a bit of a bugaboo for them not unlike it's been a bugaboo for the vikings so it's there is maybe a strength of competition thing you could maybe say if you wanted to be a naysayer about it but i think we kind of uh, beyond strength of competition like okay great adjust for strength of competition and i think even after that it's a it's an impressive performance from especially that defensive front really looked immovable um, and guys squeezing gaps really well, guys in the right gaps. And one other guy that I want to shout out on that front, in both the run and the pass, was Ryan Connolly, who had a, a, a real hell of a day. Um, he got a lot of balls tipped up in the air. He was really good in coverage, one of the only players who was good in coverage. Mackenzie Alexander was okay in coverage until he went down, to be fair. Um, and he was also knifing in for run stops and, and even tackle for losses. Um, it was just a really, really dominant day for the Vikings kind of front seven and then the back seven was difficult. And if you were a linebacker, it was like worse in coverage than it was in the run. Um, And that's kind of funny because it was kind of the opposite of where like a lot of camp had gone where you had, you know, Ezra Cleveland was like beating Dalvin Tomlinson one too many times for our, for like our comfort. Dalvin Tomlinson was just a wrecking ball today. Um, And then you had this kind of, oh, Rashad Breeland kind of looks pretty good. He just had the worst day I've seen him have in all of camp. Um, and it's only one bad day, and it kind of sucks that it comes in the joint practices where it's per- potentially a little bit more meaningful. Um, but, you know, we'll see how he does in the preseason game and stuff. Um, and he really did kind of pull it together once the, the the team drills came about, and, you know, it was more of a group and less of a one-on-one thing. And after that, the worst play he had was the one where he went for an interception and got punished for it when he didn't get it. Um, but on the whole, the defense won the day. And that's because pressure kind of built out the secondary, and it's the symbiotic nature of how things can work. Um, and the defense won the day over the the Broncos offense, first team and second team, and probably honestly third team, although that was a little closer. So quick programming note, uh, important if you uh, are going to listen tomorrow, that show is going to be up a little late, uh, probably closer to the afternoon than, you know, when it's uploaded usually early in the morning. I just have plans that are going to go late on Thursday, so I won't have time to record on Thursday night, but I'll record it Friday first thing, and uh, we'll talk about the second uh, joint practice endeavor the Vikings have had uh, will have had with the Broncos. I'll try to focus more on the offense this time. In the meantime, you can find me live tweeting it at Luke Braun NFL. You can find video recaps at Locked On Vikings, and you can also find the Locked On Bets podcast. Get your grambles straight, especially if you're going to go sign up for BetOnline.ag. Your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling will take you through everything you need to know to get your gramble on. 
You can find everything on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. I will see you all tomorrow afternoon-ish. And as always, Skull.